or existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Why are you leaning back, Karen? Hi, everyone. This is Deb Tomorrow. I'm a realtor, and this is Real Real Estate Today. My co-host, Karen Rassel, is apparently afraid of me. No, I thought you were coming in for, like, you were going to do some oh, big, a big like, boom. Yes, like, like right. I, yeah, big announcement. Well, I was just telling you, I was I had to do a voiceover project for Parks and Recreation. Um, our local Parks and Recreation department is up for a big award, a major award, and they had to do a five-minute video professionally produced and they tapped me to do the voiceover which was a little shocking um and they just kept talking about more energy more energy more energy and i'm like do you know who you're talking to a it's like the height of real estate season my energy is kind of tapped out but b i'm not like a super bubbly person and they were like you know when you're talking about things that you have to explain you're very clear i'm like yes because that's what i do but if i'm talking about something that i need to be over the top excited about that's not my personality. Well, they thought it was, so I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear this. When so it comes I, out. I literally had to read every line as if I were calling my dog to come inside mm-hmm. because I do that with really, come here, PJ. Oh, come here. Oh. You know, oh my gosh, it was crazy. But, anyways, we'll see how that turns out. I heard some pr- uh, preliminary versions and it was pretty cool. So, anyway, so no, I was not going to like come booming out and all of a sudden everybody's like, this is not the podcast we usually listen to because she's not usually that upbeat uh i had a weird day so far i had a this is the extent that i go for my clients i had a client who is just finished dental hygiene school the things i never like knew and she has to find someone with really dirty teeth to go up to indianapolis the state boards and clean them in front of like the review board so she can get her license she's passed all the tests she just has to do the actual like, like just in-person dirty cleaning, teeth or someone right? that has like plaque and all kinds of right no because I was like on. I'll go eat some Oreos for you mm-hmm. right so she went up to do the test and then after she did the test and paid the whatever it is hundreds of dollars they said oh that person's teeth isn't they're not dirty enough because you have to have a certain number of like plaque spots or something I don't know so she's basically going around to anybody she knows and asking to look at their teeth to find someone who has dirty teeth so I'm like we well, can look at mine I don't know I mean I'm not crazy about dentists so I don't go as regularly as possible but I've never had a cavity in my life so there's that and she was like honey your teeth aren't dirty enough she's like she came and looked at my teeth so when I feel bad about myself today at least I've got that that my teeth aren't dirty You've got enough that uh, and the other weird thing that happened to me, this is just like random, like weird things. This show's actually about real estate. We'll get there. But, you know, no hurry, right? Um, when I went online to pay my electric bills, we have Duke Energy here in Indiana. It asked me if I wanted some free light bulbs. Have you gotten that? Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm like, sure, I'll take some free light bulbs. I mean, why not, right? Freeze free. They're LED. It's all good. Mm-hmm. They sent me 129 light bulbs. Are you serious? Yeah, 129. They sent me 100 and uh, what's What's 15 times 7? They sent me 105. And then um, two days later, they sent me 24 more. I don't even know. Was it based off, like, 
like how much energy like what I have a lot of electric are. bills that's what I was going to say well I have a lot of just accounts because of all the rental properties that could be why mm-hmm. mm. yeah so <laughs> I and uh, those bulbs last like 10 years or something crazy like that do they though because well I don't know but I, I don't really care anymore I'm be like got, you've got lights you've got man. free light bulbs, I don't care so if you need some geez <laughs> so yeah right so if you need a light bulb hit me up because I because we're like this is stacked up on the dining room table I don't even have a place to put them I literally have 129 light bulbs, not 130, 129 light bulbs stacked up on the dining room table. I don't even know. I was like, and the first batch, the, the, like, the FedEx driver dropped him off. He just put him by the front door, and you can see him like shaking his head. Like, what the hell is this? I don't even know. Okay, should we talk about real estate? Eh. Did you watch? Um, no, I did not. <laughs> I know where you're going with you this, know where and I'm, I'm going to say Nobody no. else knows where you're going. Okay. I didn't realize this was on TV, but I was watching Trading Spaces Saturday night, and after Trading Spaces was one of the Property Brothers' wedding. They had it on, they televised oh, it? Oh, yeah, or, right? Okay. That's yeah. why I was giving you the play-by-play for the first 30 seconds, and then I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Here's what made me mad. The preview, they were like, Drew's on the phone, Drew Property Brother Drew, and he's like, Dad, you can't make it to the wedding? I was like, no, 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 you cannot steal Meghan Markle's storyline. Like, that's hers. <laughs> You are not a prince. You are not a princess. Anyways, apparently he got married. I don't know. All right. So let's get to the point then. If you don't want to talk about you sure you don't want to talk about I'm positive. I'm positive. I know you were trying to. You wrote her a song. There were tears. You were trying. You like tagging me and commenting on things online. And I I thought, nope. I just, I looked. I went to go see what it was. And then I shut it down. (laughs) I was like, no way. (laughs) Not that. I'm not thing about the property brothers, in. but anyways. Okay, so let's talk about what the market's doing. This is actually part three, although we've sort of stretched it out because we took last week off because it was a holiday week, you know. Um, we're talking about the, the steps you take when you're selling a home. So it's kind of our seller seminar. We did a home buyer seminar back in mm, January or so, uh, and this is our home seller seminar. So this is part three, and then there'll be one more part, part four, um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what the housing market is doing. What? That was only three. No, there's four parts. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm so it's a 12-step program. Oh. oh and each, 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 yeah, 12-step program, each show does three. Yep. Okay. We're all, we're all on it. We're not having a good day here in the studio, but we'll be okay. Um, I wanted to share, I was looking for an article just to talk about, I've had this question come up, and Karen, I don't know if anybody's asked you in the lending world, uh, are we going to have, is this a bubble? Are we Are we in another housing bubble that's going to pop and crash like we had 10 years ago? I don't know if someone's actually asked me that, but I do feel people, you know, they understand that things run in cycles. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything major is going to happen, right. but... You know, I've had a few people that are like getting a little like anxious about like what the heck, you know, is this? And I've seen some crazy things going on, too, just in terms of pricing. But I found this story and it actually has some really good information. So I'm going to have Rachel put it up on the Internet um, on our Facebook page. So follow us on Facebook, Deb Tomorrow Realtor. First, I have to read the beginning because I actually thought it was hysterical. Um, The article is called Will the Housing Bubble Cause Another Financial Crisis? Sounds like a very clear title um, in this by a gentleman named Jeff Andrews. The article starts out, at a recent doctor's appointment, I told my physician about a story I'm working on that involves the securitization of loans in which the underlying collateral is housing, evoking the dreaded term mortgage-backed securities. I've never sent anything nearly that intelligent to my doctor. What doctor was it? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
it's not the eye doctor. It's sorry. I just was like, really? That's the conversation you have? Possibly. I'm like, it hurts when I do this. Like, that's my conversation with doctors. I don't know. Anyways, okay. So we're he uses a lot of really big words. So I'm not gonna like read the whole story because it's a little. But he does um, do a pretty good job of comparing what happened 10 years ago to what's going on today and how it's different so that we are a little bit calmer about what's going on. So he says in the early 2000s, the construction sector churned out houses at a dizzying pace, leading to an oversupply of single family homes. To get people into those homes, lenders extended credit to people who shouldn't have gotten it. And the terms of the mortgages were such that interest rates would reset after a couple of years. The frenzy, uh, push home prices up because there were so many people who were able to get homes um, and everyone was getting rich off the transaction fees, but not the actual like, um, you know, building equity in the home. Uh, And so that was kind of what happened. And obviously that's very, very different than what is happening today uh, because we don't have an oversupply. Instead of that housing oversupply, we uh, are that required creative lending in order to attract buyers. Today, we actually have a housing shortage and it's creating an affordability crisis, but it's also ensuring that the people who are buying the homes for the most part can really afford them because think about this, and this is what really kind of resonated with me. When I get multiple offers on a listing, we're looking at the kinds of loans that people are getting. And if someone's getting an FHA loan, which isn't even nearly a subprime loan, but is one that, you know, you're not putting a lot of down payment on. We have an FHA loan compared to a conventional loan and everything else is pretty equal. We're going to go with a conventional loan. And a conventional loan is typically a stronger borrower. Make sense? Makes sense to me. All right. Well, you're a lender, so hopefully it would make sense. Um, So I think that that is one of the big things that's um, different is that we're not going to get that bubble burst where people are going to be upside down on their home and not able to afford the payment. And that was the big difference that back in 10 years ago was that all these adjustable rates, the loans would reset. And then all of a sudden these people were at 13, 15 percent interest more and more uh, and they couldn't and their payments changed and then they could no longer afford the payments almost everybody is doing fixed payments fixed payments Um, I've never had someone just ask me you know out and flat out you know well what's the adjustable rate you know today right Um, I I think that people aren't as as risky or they don't Mm want to take that risk and they just want to be settled into a fixed rate and know that that's not going to change I certainly feel like my clients are financially a lot more conservative than they were before, that they kind of, you know, they'll tend to go lower on price than pushing the limit on price. Many people do that now. Yeah, yeah which I don't think we that. were seeing 10 years ago. So so this gentleman who wrote the article, Jeff Allen, argues that uh, today's housing bubble isn't really a bubble at all, but a reflection of the incredible supply and demand imbalance. Um, so hopefully that gives people a little bit of peace of mind with what's going on and how it's different. I certainly think that these are all things that we need to be paying attention to and keeping an eye on uh, and continuing to make smart decisions, which is why you listen to the show. But um, I, I don't think it's cause for panic necessarily. No. And the, some of the loans from 10 years ago are no longer in existence. Yep. And I know that we've talked about that previously mm-hmm. where, you know, it was stated income. You didn't have to turn in certain, you know, documentation. Yep. So those aren't, you don't see those. And anymore. I don't think we'll ever get those back for sure. 
So we're going to talk about how you uh, are an informed seller in this series, in our seller series. In previous episodes, we've talked about uh, the steps kind of in this order, picking a realtor and then picking a strategy for your transition, where you're going to live, how you're going to not be homeless. Um, We talked about pre-listing inspections. Then we talked about getting your home ready for pictures. How do you set a price? Uh, what happens when there are showings? And that leads us into today's episode, which is we're going to talk about now you've had showings. What happens when you get an offer? How do you evaluate an offer? What happens from there? Then we'll talk a little bit about inspections from the seller's perspective. I know we talk a lot about it from a buyer's perspective, but we're going to talk about, um, I just went through this with a client and kind of walking through the house with them prior to an inspection and going, let's check this, let's check that and see if we can get some of the low-hanging fruit off of the um, list. And then we'll talk a little bit about appraisal, which is a really hot topic this year. So um, I'm sure that we've got some interesting things to say about that. So we're going to go to break and come back and talk about what do you do when you get an offer. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right. Welcome back. This is Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. We are in the middle of a seller seminar. So if you're a seller or going to be a seller anytime in the next Oh, I don't know, a few years. This is a good uh, series to listen to. We are currently on step seven of the process uh, of selling your home, and that is that you've gotten an offer, which is kind of exciting. I feel like sellers get really stressed out waiting for an offer, and then they get it, and then they realize that the stress has sort of just begun. And I don't mean to say that selling your home is stressful, but it is because you're sort of messing with your security. There's risks involved there's uncomfortableness involved and so it is stressful and you need to i think if you know that going in then maybe it'll 
help keep you calmer? Possibly. I mean, I think too, like, you know, they've probably shown their house, you know, their, their home so many times and they're like, is this going to be the one? Is this going to be the day that the house sells? And so, yeah, it's that unknown. We all hate the unknown, I think. Um, So anyways, at some point you'll get an offer and in this market, it's possible you might even get a few offers at the same time. You can negotiate back and forth as long as it takes. But remember that this is important to me and maybe I'm weird and thinking this and I'm okay being weird. Um, But I always like both parties, buyer and seller, to remember that this is sort of your first interaction, it's the first step in your relationship with the other party. It's not a long relationship, it's typically a pretty short relationship, a month or two, but we all want it to be a pleasant relationship. And so I think, and I had this conversation, it was incredibly condescending, and I regret it not at all, um, with a newer realtor that said, even in a seller's market, um, respect still has a place. And I think it's really important that buyers and sellers, you know, and realtors respect each other. I know that makes for really boring reality TV, um, but it makes for a much more pleasant life. Absolutely. So there you go. There's irony for you. So uh, that's going to start, you know, when you're when you're negotiating an offer, you want to make a good impression um, with with the buyer too. And we talk about buyers making good impressions, but the sellers, you want to make a good impression too. Um, but what's important is knowing what you value and keeping that in perspective. We talked about that last year when we did some shows with um, Dr. Amanda Quinby, who's a, a psychologist on how you make decisions. Uh, knowing what you value is really, really important. You don't have to be an ass. You just don't. You can get what you need without being a jerk, I promise. Uh, And that goes for both buyers and sellers. But knowing what you value and what your goals are really helps when you're trying to make a decision. Um, So obviously price is important. And we'll talk a little bit about evaluating price. But there's a lot of other things that come in to evaluating an offer. Um, there's earnest money, which is a little bit of money you put down to kind of show you're serious, that you're not just going to disappear, um, that you're not going to break the terms of the contract. If you do, the buyer or the seller gets to keep your earnest money. You know, the amount of earnest money is certainly something that you can evaluate uh, in an offer. Um, I've gotten offers of zero earnest money, and we won't take those. Um, who the lender is? I mean, I know Karen can't say anything, but uh, it does matter. You know, is it a lender that we know and that we know is going to close the deal and going to make it smooth? Um, What's the closing date? What's the possession? I've seen deals fall apart or come really close to falling apart over possession dates. Um, And actually, I think that recently I had an offer accepted because of the possession date. Had really not as much to do with the price, but that the possession date worked really well for the seller where they didn't have to move twice. So that's something that you need to look at um, and see if you can make it work for you. Um, extra stuff that you're asking for, those are all things that you, uh, as a seller, you want to negotiate. You want to really read over that contract. I've seen a lot of recently where they're asking for furniture, all the furniture. I don't get it. I had one. They were like, why do you want all my clients' furniture? Like, literally, it said all the furniture. Wall hangings and furniture, all of it. And I was like, what's this about? Because it's not a vacation home where you would sell it with furniture. And the agent said, well, it's just easier for my buyers that way. I'm like, not so easy for my seller who will have no place to sleep next week. (laughs) You know, I always, you know, whenever, whenever someone is selling their house and they have it, so nicely like decorated and the rooms are set up and it's like yeah their furniture fits nicely in yeah. there but 
I've not seen that yet on any offers that I've I'm working with that say that they want everything in the kitchen sink. But well, I think most um, most realtors are savvy enough to know that that kind of has to be separate from the purchase agreement because lenders don't want to give a mortgage on a couch or a side table or whatever it might be. Um, but I had one earlier this year. We had multiple offers. I think we had three or four offers on the house. And one of them came in below list price and asked for like three or four pretty major pieces of furniture. And this was like a $120,000 house. It wasn't like, you know, like, well, they have five kitchen tables. They can spare one. You know, my people have one kitchen table and they wanted it. <laughs> it's like, where wow. do you think that that like, I don't I don't get how that makes sense. Um, and you know, the seller was a little offended and I can't say I disagree with her. Um, but anyways, you you need to make sure you evaluate all of that. I wanted to talk a little bit about this, um, pre-qualification versus pre-approval. I should have warned you. I wanted to talk about that. Do you have opinions on that? What's a pre-qualification versus a pre-approval? My definition this is just me speaking. My yeah. definition of a, of a pre-approval is the lender has asked for your income documentation, they've reviewed your credit, and they, they have tangible items to make a, a decision and say, we think you're pre-approved, or take it a step further, and all of that can be submitted to an underwriter mm-hmm. for that decision. So everything except an actual property. Yeah. Pre-qualification is you say you make this. I've not seen your pay stubs. Mm-hmm. I've not seen a verification of employment, and your credit score is X Y Z because we can see that. Pull that. And then that would be just a pre-qualification. And that's how I understand it too. So good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, my understanding, and and the reason I want to talk about this is because people use the terms interchangeably, mm-hmm. um, and they think that a pre-qualification is as good as a pre-approval, and don't always understand that there is a little bit of a difference. Now, to be perfectly honest, in our market, a pre-qualification will usually get you you know, to the same spot as mm-hmm. a pre-approval. But if you're up against someone else, um, you know, a pre-approval can sometimes be better. From a seller's perspective, pre-approval is definitely better. It means that, uh, like you said, they've provided the full documentation um, because we see things sometimes um, where they say, I, you know, I make $50,000 a year and then you ask for the documentation and you write up, you, know, you qualify and based on that and then they provide documentation. All of a sudden you realize that a big chunk of that is overtime pay that for whatever reason isn't consistent and can't be counted right. or um, uh, it's self-employment. Absolutely. We see that a lot, right? And I think with local lenders, um, you'll find that if they're putting their name on that letter, they want to make sure, you know, that, because that's their name on that piece of paper. I know the paper is like, what, half a cent? Right. Uh, and then the ink. But um, if if your name is on that, then you, you do want to know that you've kind of crossed, the you know, your T's and dotted your I's. And, yep. and you have a good grasp on if that person is pre-approved or not. Right. So somebody who just does sort of an online qualification because they input some data, we see that. You know, as a seller, you need to kind of be suspect of that. You have the right to take a look at their pre-qualification or their pre-approval letter if they've provided it. Um, And certainly your realtor should be asking for that, too. I think that's huge because when a seller is evaluating an offer, they really need to be thinking, is this going to close? Can the buyer fulfill the terms of the agreement? Mm -hmm. You know, and so what evidence and what, you know, 
sustenance are they providing that makes you feel comfortable with that and having that pre-approval knowing that the buyer is completely qualified that's music to my ears i hear that every once in a while buyer's been completely qualified all the way through underwriter we just need a house to put them in and we qualify the house because remember when a lender is looking at a mortgage they are qualifying not only the person but then they also qualify the property too so um, i think that is really really important um, other things to pay attention to when you're evaluating an offer, what uh, timelines they have, what contingencies they have. I like tight timelines, which means I'm not going to go 21 days for inspections. We're dragging it out way too long on that. Um, sometimes we have to drag it out a little bit in the spring when the inspectors get really busy and, you know, maybe they can't get it done in 10 days. But, um, you know, I'm not going to push it forever and ever either. So you want to tight timelines there. Um, contingencies on the sale of another home. Yikes, that's scary. If it is every once in a while, you get like contingent on a home that's already got an offer. It just has to close. Um, that's still a little scary, but if they're through inspections and not, you can ask questions about what that person's financing looks like, you know, just keep asking questions until you're satisfied is what's really, really important. Um, and then you want to evaluate your bottom line. Um, think, you know, talk to your realtor. They should provide you with some sort of net sheet or some sort of, you know, here's after commissions and after whatever your, your costs are. In our market, we have um, title insurance is typically a seller expense and some of the cost for the title company and then there's some property tax things so you want to understand what that is and understand what your bottom line is um, and then know what your mortgage payoff is and I think I don't know Karen if you've ever run into this but people don't always have like they go with what's on the statement and for whatever reason what's on your monthly statement isn't always your mortgage payoff it's not your payoff because it doesn't show all your accrued interest like through the when you're going to pay it off and then the title company will then also add a few days per diem because, you, I mean, you just don't know. You know, yeah. they've got to wire out the funds to pay it off. I mean. That makes a lot of sense. So if you said my payoff's $100,000, but the next day your payoffs are going to be higher because you've accrued interest for that day. Yes. So it's just a snapshot in time when your um, mortgage company prints out a, a statement that says, here's what your payoff is. So you want to kind of make that call. And FHA loans are really screwy, too, with the payoff. So Yeah. And a lot of times if a, if a seller who's coming to me to, to finance their next purchase, they didn't get a net sheet from their realtor. I just kind of I look at the credit report and I see what the uh, principal balance mm-hmm. is, essentially. And then kind of just do my own math yeah. that way, but just to have a better idea that you should walk away with X amount. Right. One of the things that I've been critical of myself um, about when I'm working with a seller is that I don't always take the time to go through the purchase agreement line by line. We do that on when the buyer's, you know, filling out the blanks and signing, but we don't always do that with the seller. We just kind of go, here's the highlights, closing date, purchase price, you know, here's their lender, here's how long they want for inspections, blah, 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 move on. So I want to offer up that on my YouTube channel, which is Real Real Estate Today, there is a YouTube video that I did um, that goes over the purchase agreement for Indiana. So this is just kind of for our local market. But it goes over it line by line. It's geared towards buyers. But I think as a seller, if you watch that, it would be really helpful for you to understand what your obligations are and what the buyer's obligations are. Because the biggest... Um, stress and the biggest you know, challenges we get into when we're going through a real estate transaction is when the buyers and the sellers don't always understand what their own obligations are and what each other's obligations are. Uh, and you get that miscommunication, right? Doesn't all problems 
stem from miscommunication or misunderstanding, right? We all just want to get along. So that's the best advice I can give to you is to really understand that document, um, even though they're presenting it to you and they're signing it. You know, it's it's a contract that you are entering into as well. So you need to take the time to make sure that you understand that and don't get too excited by just the numbers. Woohoo, numbers. All right, when we come back, next segment is going to be uh, the dreaded inspection. We say um, the most stressful time for any seller isn't waiting for an offer, it's waiting for that stinking inspection response. So we're going to talk about some strategies to help you prepare for that and get through that. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Hey, welcome back. This is Deb Tomorrow. I'm a realtor in Bloomington, Indiana, and this is Real Real Estate Today, where we talk about what you really need to know about real estate, not just what the fun stuff on HGTV. I was watching an episode of uh, Fixer Upper. You got to get your fill in before it you know, goes off the air. And it was, oh, behind the scenes. She's got a lo- another little show they do, which is Fixer Upper Behind the Scenes, okay. where they go and show more of the design decisions um, and just, again, more behind the scenes. But you've already seen the episode, and then they do the behind the scenes thing. And so she's meeting with the clients for the first time, and it's a meeting you don't typically see, which is their wish list meeting. And she goes, do you want drywall or shiplap? <laughs> is that a question? Of course they went shiplap. Come yes, on. You're doing their house. Yeah, we, we bust out laughing when she said that because we're like, really? Okay. I didn't think she would even. I just need one wall in my that. house that has shiplap. Just one wall, Just right? one wall. One wall. All right, so we are in the middle of doing a seller seminar, so helping you understand what you need to know when you want to sell your home. We are on step eight already um, of our 12-step program, and that is inspections. The most stressful time for any seller is not waiting for an offer. It's waiting for that inspection response. And that can usually take a week or two. Um, sometimes in our market, you know, we may push it 18 days when it's really busy. Um, so that's a pretty stressful couple of weeks while you're waiting. And every seller, and I tell them this, like, just ask me. I'll tell you the second I hear anything back from the buyer's agent on inspections. But they're still going to ask me every day. After the inspection, do you hear anything yet? Do you hear anything yet? Do you hear? And I get it. I get it. So, um, like I said, inspections usually take a week or so, but then uh, for the inspection to actually happen, because you got to get on the home inspector schedule, and then it'll take a day or two to get the report back and review the report and kind of decide what you want to do. So, uh, tip number one is, as a seller, know what that deadline is. Uh, your realtor is probably keeping track of that deadline, but you know, for your mental health, know, you know, hey, they have until June seventh to respond to inspections. So we kind of have to, you know, give them that time. Mm-hmm. We can't rush them along. That's not fair. We said we would give them till the 7th, so we got to give them till the 7th. Um, for the actual inspection, it'll be scheduled similar to a showing, except that it's going to take several hours around here. It can take like four hours sometimes. Um, and I highly recommend you be gone. A lot of times the buyer is there, and I think it's really important um, to give them that space it's a big uh, expense. It's a big purchase. And you want the buyer to have the opportunity to feel comfortable. I know sometimes when the sellers are there kind of standing over your shoulder, you know, the buyer maybe isn't comfortable asking the questions they really want to know um, or having, you know, conversations about, you know, well, tell me more about this with the home inspector. But usually the home inspectors welcome you being there. And I highly encourage uh, my buyers to be there for that. Um, but on the seller side of things, in addition to being gone, think about this. Make it easy on the inspector, right? Happy wife, happy life, happy inspector, happy transaction. I don't know. Like leave clues on how <laughs> to access like the crawl space. Yes. Or if there is something funky, tell us. We've had that before. Yeah, That's a really good point. there was a house that um, they couldn't access the crawl, like, but they didn't they even know. They couldn't find it. They it couldn't Mindy's. find it. I think it was our friend Mindy's house. But they, they couldn't find it. And so it was like in a closet not a normal outdoor entrance. It was mm-hmm. just a portion of the house that was on a crawl space. The rest of it was on a basement. But it was in a closet and it was under some boxes of toys. And who would have known that it was there? Right. And so, yeah, that's great. Clear the way for attic access, crawl space access, access to the electric panel. Sometimes, you know, that's behind a bunch of boxes that you've thrown out in the garage. So make that accessible. Um, I had one once, this was, gosh, my first first listing ever 12 years ago. And when they went to open the attic access 
all this insulation fell out and it was in a closet. So now all of a sudden there's insulation all over all these clothes. And it was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And we're trying to pick it up and we're getting the, you know, fibers in our fingers and hot mess. So help them out that way. That just helps things go a lot more smoothly. Have receipts for any work that you've done. I always counsel my sellers, like, you should probably just go ahead and get the furnace cleaned. If you're like normal people and you don't get it cleaned every year, if you do get it cleaned regularly, that's great. Take the receipt onto the furnace so that we can see that. That's what the furnace people do, by the way. I never even noticed that, but they came out to do that. And and I was like, where's the invoice? Because they let themselves out. They tape it on there. Oh, do they? Yep. So why, we nice. left it on there. Yeah, I would leave it on we there. Let them know, there. you know, what you're doing. Um, clear animals out. That's super helpful, too. I had one last year where the, oh, my gosh, the home inspector walks up to the house, and the seller comes out and says, my dog will bite you. Home inspector turned around, got in his car, and drove off. <laughs> and I don't blame him. I had the buyers, so that I had the home inspectors call me. I'm like, I don't Yeah, We had to figure that one out. Um, don't try to hide stuff. Just don't. I mean, like stuffing your cabinets full of stuff so that they have to pull it all out to see if a pipe's leaking, like under the kitchen sink or something. Just make it easy on them. Um, But here are some easy, easy tips, things that I see. Make sure all your light bulbs work. Because home inspector doesn't know if it's, they don't carry light bulbs with them. (laughs) They should stop by your house. They should. I have 129 of them. them This is the beginning of this episode. Um, That uh, So if a light's not working, they're going to say, might be a light bulb, maybe need to consult an electrician. And anytime you start to get the professionals in there to look at something as a seller, it's going to start costing you money. So um, make sure all the light bulbs work. That's just a super easy one. Um, I did this a couple weeks ago with a seller. We walked through the house before the inspection. We had gotten an accepted offer. Um, and we were just, I was looking under all the sinks. The house was empty, so that made it really easy, too. I was looking under all the sinks to see if there were any leaks. Um, you can get... Um, one of those three-prong testers are super cheap. And, like, ch- test your three-prong outlets. Make sure all your grounds are working. Again, because if it's not, that's a that's a electrician thing. Um, windows, check all your windows. Make sure that they open like they're supposed to. And make sure they lock like they're supposed to. None of these are necessarily deal breakers. But if you can take care of all the little issues, it doesn't junk up and clutter up the inspection. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And sure it, so especially if you're like potentially dealing with a first time home buyer, if you can be like, you know what, clean bill of health, except these two things, that's a lot easier to deal with than like, okay, we've got two major things and we've got 20 pesky little things. Right. Um, one of the things I was made my client do because I wouldn't do it. I said, never shake a home inspector's hand. Home inspector goes up to the toilet. They put their hands on either side and they try to rock it. And uh, if they not wear gloves, I'm sorry. I'm like know. covering my, my can't, no. Yeah. Some um, kind of glove, right? I don't know. Okay. So, um, and then also I was told once that like there was a certain amount of toilet paper that equals an appropriate wad to flush down to see how the flushing works. But anyways, but you shake the toilet and if it's loose and it rocks back and forth at all, they're going to notice that. And then they're going to say a plumber's got to tighten that down. But before they tighten it down, you should replace the wax seal. And all of a sudden you're $150 into a repair. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's loose and you just tighten little screws, which is super easy to do, usually problem solved. Um, do all the doors open and close? Are there broken or missing screens? Do all the outdoor spigots work? These are very simple things that I see all the time. Open holes in the electric panel, 50 cents, 48 cent piece. It's like 75 bucks for an electrician to fix. Or another one, if your electric panel cover, just there's like three screws that hold it on, right? Unscrew it. If those screws are pointy on the end, 
That's a code violation. Go get some screws that aren't pointy on the end and screw it back in, problem solved. Look, you just saved yourself like 75 bucks. Um, so there are a lot of things like that that you can kind of go through. You know what doesn't work in the house. So um, fix it if you can or disclose it um, so that it's just not really shocking. Then what's going to happen is that you're going to get a response back from the buyer. It's important to know your house isn't perfect. No house. I've never seen a perfect home inspection ever in like 800 closings. So um, you need to kind of take that chip off your shoulder if you're the kind of person who has that. Um, It's hard because you feel like your um, ability to maintain your home is being attacked. I get that. That's not what this is about. And that's why we go back to the point we made at the beginning of step seven, which is understand your goals um, and just keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on that goal. So let them say what they want. Don't worry about it. You know, just work through it. Um, In theory, if a buyer requests for something to be repaired, it should be a major defect. That should be laid out in your purchase agreement, which, again, we talked about in the last segment, going through the purchase agreement and really understanding it from a seller's perspective. Um, But, you know, you may need to get a little bit creative. I find that in the inspection process, that's when we get the most creative in the real estate, you know, uh, process, because we may be looking at credits, we may be looking at repairs, we may be looking at some sort of compromise, we, we're trying to find a solution that meets everyone's needs. And sometimes that means getting creative. So being defensive isn't going to help you towards getting to your goal, but being creative will help you get there. Um, be willing to get second opinions if you need those. Again, it's a process. I mean, if you think about when you when you first bought that house, you probably had those same questions, or you would, you know what I mean? Like when you got an inspection on it. So, um, for like most of us, if if you've been in the house for a long time, like I don't even remember what that was. Right. I have no idea. Right. And Um, we've talked about, you know, get the value of a pre-listing inspection. I think that that's really, really valuable. But even just doing a simple walkthrough or ask your realtor for a copy of sort of like a blank inspection. Or I've got old inspections laying around that has all the, you know, personal information, you know, wiped out. But you can see the things that the home inspector looks for. mm -hmm. Ask your realtor for that and walk through your house and kind of check out those things. See what you can fix ahead of time. Um, prepare yourself. You know, the, the biggies are the HVAC, the roof and the foundation or the crawl space. Um, those are the biggies around here. Um, and those aren't the places that you necessarily, you know, go up on. And I don't recommend homeowners go up there. But you know, the one I always see is that the downspout doesn't extend far enough, doesn't extend house. far enough from the house. And I'm thinking, Easy solution. Easy solution, but I'm just wondering why half the houses, majority of the houses, yeah. it, they, they're they just not built that yeah. way. Well, but yet, there's a ton of things like that that we see all the time. The, the latest one is um, bathroom fans that vent to the attic and don't vent to the outside, and mm-hmm. those always get called out. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know. It's like, come on now. But, um, you know, some of that is just building code has changed. Yeah. So it's important to kind of understand that too. So, um, so I think the best tip I can give for the inspection is to be willing to be creative, but to also be proactive. I, you know, it amazes me the sellers who just kind of sit there and bite their nails and wait for inspection to happen. I'd be like every night I'd come home and spend 20 minutes going through, you know, make sure all my plumbing works fine. Check all the lights one night, you know, just do some of the simple stuff like that so that you can, um, put your best foot forward for that inspection because it'll make a big difference in how smoothly that transaction goes. 
All right, we've got one more segment to cover today. When we come back, we're going to talk about the appraisal, which is a real hot topic this year because of the way prices are going. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello and welcome back. I am Deb Tomorrow, Realtor in Bloomington, Indiana, and this is our seller seminar. So we are on step nine of our 12-step program, um, helping sellers understand the selling process. You know, we focus all the time on first-time home buyers, and we see if you Google first-time home buyers, there's a gajillion um, websites. I saw a meme the other day that said, if you're not on the first page of Google, you don't exist. Well, there you go. Um, but we don't see a lot about first-time home sellers. And I think that the sellers sometimes get a little bit lost in the mix. And we think, well, they've been through it on the buyer side, so they know what's going on. And it really is a very different process that looks very different from uh, the seller side. So we've been talking about all the different steps involved. And we are now up to the appraisal. Um, this used to not be such a big deal. It was almost like you never even gave it a second thought. And now it can almost be as nerve-wracking as inspections. Is that... Does it make you nervous this year, Karen, in the lending world? It only makes me nervous when we've had a lot of rain. Yeah. Um, so maybe in the spring and then maybe in the winter time, but typically it doesn't anymore. Okay. I think I'm just like used used to seeing whenever yeah. it comes back at it, it'll right. come back at it. Right. Um, so, you know, we've talked and we've got, I think, whole shows that we've done on appraisals. And so there are some appraisals that um, the condition do matter, but we're focusing really on the value and making sure that the value comes in. And when you've seen some crazy stuff, like last Friday, I saw a realtor list a condo right over here that the highest that had ever sold in that neighborhood, which was this year, was 147 
was $147,000. And that was pushing it. Mm-hmm. I sold one, you know, four years ago at 112. So, I mean, it's gone up quite a bit exponentially. She listed it for $180,000. <laughs> we all went, what? Who knows what's going to happen with that? But when we're seeing crazy things like that, and maybe there is someone who's willing to pay that number, um, it can be very nerve wracking. You're excited, right? At first, you're excited as the seller. You're like, oh my gosh, I got you know so much more money than I thought I was going to get. I was going to say like, don't spend that money, just right? Yet. <laughs> and you're like, cha-ching, and I'm going to pay this bill off and that bill off, and yay! And then, um, and then the appraisal doesn't come in. Most offers are contingent on the home appraising for at least the sales price. And what that means is that the buyer can walk away if the home doesn't appraise for enough. Um, Although more often than not, I think we try to renegotiate because at that point, you're like, we're already this far along, you know, can we try to meet in the middle? Um, But, and and a lot of times, you know, we have, as as realtors, we have the conversation, you know, if it's not going to appraise this time, it's probably not going to appraise next time. Um, So something to consider. However, one of the things we're up against in today's market is that um, cash offers don't always require appraisals. Well, cash offers never require appraisals, but sometimes the buyers, when they're paying cash, they don't have a lender telling them they have to do an appraisal, but sometimes they still choose to do an appraisal. Um, So a lot of times the cash offers have a little bit of a leg up because you think, well, I don't have to worry about whether it's going to appraise or not. Um, but the appraiser is going to go into your house. So again, it's going to be like the inspection. They're going to schedule a time to come by, take a quick walk. It's probably 15 minutes. I don't even know how long they spend in there, but probably not that long. I think they do a lot of the legwork before they get to the actual home. Yeah. You know, um, they do take some measurements, uh, and they put together quite a lengthy report, uh, and it can take sometimes several days up to a week to get the report back. I want to give the same advice that I gave in the last segment when we were talking about inspections, which is make it easy on the appraiser, make things accessible, don't have, you know, dogs threatening to bite them, um, you know, just make it pleasant. I'll always kind of tell my sellers, I'm like, I don't care if you're there for the appraisal, it's fine. I don't, they're not there long enough to like pack up the kids and the dogs and this and the that and just go right. sit outside and give them some space. Um, but it'll take a little while to get that appraisal back. That's another one where as soon as the appraiser leaves the house, the seller starts calling the realtor and saying, hey, got the appraisal back, got the appraisal back. Now, what's important to understand is that on the seller side, we don't typically see the appraisal and we don't even know what the value is. Right. All we ask is, did it appraise for enough? Um And the reason for that, and I think that's important to understand, is that it's not really in the buyer's interest to disclose what the value is. Because if it comes back, like, say, $10,000 above the agreed upon purchase price, the seller might be like, well, hell, I'm going to kill this deal and go sell it for more. Why am I taking such a hit? Mm -hmm. So if that makes sense. At least that's what I always tell people. Yeah, well, the buyer is the one that owns that appraisal report so they're the only ones that get it they're the only ones that can see the information in it and just like you said the seller does not need to know what the home appraised I don't even as the buyer's agent I don't typically see the appraisal I just get did it come back enough yep okay moving on to the next step so just a quick note and we've like I said we talked I think we talked last week a little bit about or in the last episode about value and we've got shows upon shows I'm always talking about value and appraisers are one way that a certain kind of value is um, is is arrived at, but and they do take into account the rising or the falling market 
But even with that, it can be hard to justify crazy high prices. And I should also point out, I mean, every appraiser is human. And so you're never going to get, it's not binary code. It's not just plugging data into a spreadsheet. Otherwise, we could have robots do appraisals. Now, used to be in the good old days, we'd have drive-by appraisals or not even drive-by appraisals. Um, I've had lenders that way back when, they just put your address into some system and it'd be like, mm, like Zillow, here's what the house is worth. Right. Okay, as long as it's enough. Well, when we were in a buyer's market and it was hard to sell homes, the appraisals usually, you could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't trying to fight for every penny that you could get uh, in order to sell the house. But I think it's important to understand appraisers are human and that they have to sort of assign values. And that's just based on their experience and their life and, you know, all the things that we make decisions on as human beings. Um, so I, I've seen some crazy, I saw this discussion on a message board on Facebook amongst realtors. How much more will my house appraise for if I put down rocks instead of mulch? It's not like that. So I have this like vision of like, is there a giant book that says, okay, for 120 square feet of mulch, you give $267. For 120 square feet of river rock, it's $325. It's I not don't like know, that. But you could be like me and not do anything. And Zillow sent me a report. I shared that with you yeah. over the weekend that says your value just went up like $45,000 in 30 days. <laughs> and you're like, I'm I like, didn't okay. I put a fire pit in. <laughs> yeah. And you were like, let's sell. let's sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, the appraisers do have the contract in front of them. They know what number they need to hit, but they still have to be able to justify it. And here's a step that I think a lot of people miss out. It's not just the appraiser, but with most uh, loans, it then goes to an appraisal underwriter at the mortgage company whose job is to just sit and look at appraisals all day. And they kind of know what are appropriate adjustments and how do you, you know, rationalize things. And they sort of sign off and say, yep, this appraisal is okay. I approve it. Um, or I have questions, we need, need to go back to the appraiser. So it's a little bit more of a complicated process, um, and uh, and you just kind of need to be aware of that. So put your best foot forward. Don't get greedy because that's where you're going to get in trouble. And uh, you pray a little bit, <laughs> probably. We've, done, we've all done a little bit of that with the appraisal this year. All right, so that is step nine. Next week, the last in our series, our 12 steps, we're going to talk about uh, step 10. What's going on now? It's so quiet. That's step 10, because that's what happens. They go, should I be doing anything? There are a few things. Um, And then we'll talk about the last details and closing in possession. So what all that process looks like and how you get transitioned to your new home. So we'll cover that next week. Uh, Check us out on iTunes, all the previous episodes, um, and also on uh, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. This is Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.